0: You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network. Featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Next, featuring intimate and in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood's next edition of Stars and Influencers. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, next.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Black Hollywood Live's Next, where we keep you posted on what is hot and new in Black Hollywood. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams, your resident legal scholar, joined by Ms. Jessica King, producer at Dish Nation, and our comedic extraordinaire, Mr. Nick Perdue. What's up? So welcome live to the studio this afternoon. We are joined by a young man who is probably on the hottest, (laughs) I mean, I have to say it, the hottest new show for the season. I'm talking about Robert Christopher Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh,
2: Thank you, thank you. Star
1: VH1s hit the floor. I
2: appreciate that. Apparently I'm hot and new since I'm on this show.
1: (laughs) By definition.
2: I will take it. Please and thank you.
1: Excellent. All right. We're going to get into it, Rob. We know that you are a first generation American. I am. Yes. And that you, um, raised in Brooklyn, but yep. culturally, your background, at least on your mother's side, Trinidadian.
2: Absolutely. Uh,
1: what, give us some cultural highlights from the island.
2: Well, uh, Trinidad's the southernmost island in the Caribbean. We, um, are the originators of calypso and soca music and the steel drum. Uh, we've got the second biggest carnival in the world, second only to Brazil. Right. Um, it's a very fun and vibrant nation you you start dancing from the time you're in your mother's womb for the most part uh, we like spicy food uh, we can be relatively provocative but the nation is um, the country is very uh Uh, very respectful it's it's pretty christian and uh, probably more english catholic since it was an english colony right before it uh, got its independence um but it's it's fun man it's it's definitely different I, i embrace the fact that i'm from trinidad that i'm from the caribbean as opposed to uh you know, just being from America, it's nice to yeah. have a, a, little, a little a little additional culture, ethnicity. a little spice, yeah. a little spice, yes, girl, yeah, a little spice.
1: Ah, I love it. <laughs> we now, like
2: to keep things hot.
1: Speaking of the spice, does the spice ever come in handy with your acting?
2: Um, you know, no, I haven't had to uh, delve deep into that yet. It does help because, like I said, I was I was able to dance before I ever took any okay. type of formal dance training, so... That usually surprises people when they're like, "Wow, that guy can move." He's six, <laughs> six foot two and two hundred pounds. I wouldn't think he can move like that. Um, but uh, That's funny. <laughs> uh, no, it hasn't it hasn't come into play yet. The only Caribbean thing I've ever auditioned for as a voiceover, I did not get because apparently I wasn't Caribbean enough. So. Uh, yeah. Well, we're was, to be the same.
3: <laughs> you can work on
4: that, right? I know, right?
2: right?
4: Cool. Well, you've mentioned in past interviews that you were raised by your mom and your grandma, yes, and that your dad wasn't really involved in your upbringing not at all so has your single parent upbringing influenced your your ideas of your future and raising a family of your own
2: oh yeah i don't have any baby mamas <laughs> uh, that's how what it's about, influenced what the two that.
1: outside though
2: what uh, about those oh no they would they just yeah. came for the ride
1: okay yeah. oh, right.
2: <laughs> and, and th- and th- those aren't those aren't my kids either uh, <laughs> no it's it's um because i was raised by just my mother and my grandmother um I've been, uh, I guess, maybe a little bit more careful to make sure that that doesn't happen uh, because I don't want to put a child through what I went through. It was great. My my mother was is super mom. She raised myself mm-hmm. and my brothers. She my grandmother didn't work. She came over here when she was seventy years old mm-hmm. um, after my mother left my father, and um, so she supported the, the four of us um, by working on the at the New York Stock Exchange mm-hmm. you know, until wow. she retired. And uh, you know, I. It, I basically do a lot of what I do to make sure that she's proud. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the best moments I had was bringing her out here to uh, the last day of filming for me on Hit the Floor. Mm -hmm. And uh, she got a chance to to see what I do for television because she's seen me on Broadway and Mm -hmm. and whatnot. But um, it was really nice, and a lot of people paid her a lot of compliments. So um, it has, being raised by just my mother and my grandmother has definitely uh, taught me a a certain level of respect for women. And Mm -hmm. uh, I try to carry myself in no way that would embarrass my mother. Well,
1: we're going to pay her <laughs> another compliment right now. Robert Riley's mom, you did a fantastic job. Uh,
2: see that, mom? <laughs> <laughs> That's for you.
5: Now, let me ask you, Robert. As a, as a son and grandson of immigrants, yes. okay, I mean, do you feel like that, that there's added pressure, You know that you really have to su- succeed in Hollywood since you know, you're getting these opportunities that you wouldn't have gotten in Trinidad?
2: Oh, well, yeah, I mean, I had to succeed, period. My mother never wanted me to be an actor. She actually was very against it when I first started uh, dabbling with it in college. Um, I went to college I went to Lehigh University To be an accountant And a football player I found the acting thing um, And uh she wasn't necessarily supportive of that because, with all the sacrifices that you make moving here from another country, you want your child to be successful. Yeah. And let's face it, entertainment's not necessarily uh, any guaranteed success. So you go to school, you're an accountant, you get your degree, you get a job, and you keep keep it moving. Mm-hmm. So um, luckily, I, I when I rolled the dice, you know, some things happened relatively quickly that that proved to her that I was capable of mm-hmm. of making it, so to speak, in the business. Um, but you're you know in short you're absolutely right there's definitely a little bit of added pressure because you know i I feel like the sacrifices that my family made in order for me to be where i am are are very 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 great and uh i just gotta hold up my end of the bargain (laughs) you know it's true (laughs) so far so good
4: well, you're from Brooklyn, yeah, for those man. who have not noticed. Your beautiful <laughs> hat is on display for the world to know. Oh, really? Right.
1: Taken with Brooklyn.
2: Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's okay. There's, there's other important things on the hat.
4: Oh, nice. oh there Hashtag you go.
2: Represent. <laughs> you like that Nick I Well
4: know you played, like Robert. Thank well you. played. Thank I, you I see. you. I see. you. I see you. <laughs> now, I know from personal experience, a lot of New Yorkers do not like California. They Say they hate the seasons, they hate the food, the personalities, whatnot. How has your California experience been? And what are your thoughts about California versus
2: New York? Well, this is the second time that I've lived in California. I lived here in 2009 for 10 months before I went back home to do another show on Broadway. And I did not like it very much then. Um... I basically, I hadn't found my niche yet, um, and it's like that with any new city. I've lived in many different places around the country for um, extended periods of time. This time around, having a lot more fun, um, uh, drive a convertible now. Sure, that helps. That helps. It makes
4: all the difference. It yeah. does.
2: You know, it, you get to enjoy. You, know, you get to enjoy the weather even when you're in your car and miserable, unless it's 100 degrees and the sun's up and, you know, at, <laughs> at, at, at noon. Then you might want to put that top up. But uh, no, I, I enjoy it. I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty fit person, so I love the fact that I've got you know fresh produce all over the place. Shout all out right. to the Mexicans. I appreciate that. <laughs> we know that y'all are picking the fruits and vegetables. Nobody else is going to get credit for that. Um, so they feed me. I really love my Mexican folks. Um, no, I I, I I like L.A. a lot more than I did last time. I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time here. Um, I, I'm from Brooklyn. I love New York. You'll never get me to choose sides and be like, oh, I live in L.A. now. It's been 35 years. I'm like, that's cool, but I still lived in New York for 30. Um, so, I mean, it, it's cool. I can dig it, you know. It's nice. It's a nice place to hang out for a minute. You know, having a job doesn't hurt either.
1: Right? I was gonna say it's, it's a nice that's place that's to be a in a number job. one show. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, come on. Can I sit up here and complain? Like I hate Los Angeles. Right. People be like you want to. No, I can't do that. Right. No. So. I'm not that dude
1: that's cool Um, so as you stated earlier you completed your bachelor's degree from Lehigh University shout out to Lehigh shout out to Lehigh Um, a very um, quaint but little known gym like academically uh, almost they call it like a hidden ivy that's
2: right we're like the baby ivy league yeah yeah yeah. it's
1: very very, um, well respected university you completed your degree in theater, but like you said, you started as an accounting major. Yeah. Can you walk us through that transition? How does an accounting major graduate as a theater major?
2: Okay, this is a very interesting story. The, um, well, it's interesting to me since I tell it all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I was an accountant and, um, after my, in my second semester freshman year, I got the chance to pick my own classes because I was a football right. player the first semester, and they choose your classes for you. Huh. So I took an intro to acting class. Um, Lehigh, at the time I was there, I believe was 90-plus percent white. Right. Um, in this intro to acting class, or in the theater department, they were performing A Raisin in the Sun or putting on A Raisin in the Sun that s- spring semester. Mm-hmm the majority of that cast is African-American, so they needed to find some more African-American <laughs> actors. Um I was in the, cl- the class. It was taught by Cashy Johnson, uh, an, an African-American woman who was also an alum from Lehigh, and uh, she was there as an associate professor in her first year. They asked me to audition. I said no many times because I was an accountant and a football player. I don't get on stage and prance around, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um And uh sh- sooner or later... Probably about the fifth or sixth time I walked into class and they said, we really need you to audition for. There's a chance that we might not have enough people and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So I began to feel a little bit of a uh, an obligation. Oh, not a little bit. I, I felt an obligation to the community right. there, the minority community at Lehigh, that if I didn't do this thing, if I didn't try... Right. I couldn't complain for the next four years about them not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like oh, we don't have any black things on campus. So it was right. like, well, we gave you one and you didn't do it. So right. there.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, so uh, I went out and I auditioned for it. Um, I got a call back. Didn't even know what that was, but I went. <laughs> I, I went to it, and um, they uh, asked me to. You know, they said next day go to the board and you know you'll see if your name is cast. And I went up there and my name was right. Okay, stop. To, pause.
1: Yeah. In that moment, although you were very reluctant to audition, you had to basically be begged. Were you excited to go see if your name was on the board?
2: I think I might have been more worried. I'll be honest with you. Like, I've never been asked that question. But thinking back to that moment, there was never a point like I've I've auditioned for. I mean, like, obviously at this point I've auditioned for things. I've tried out for teams. I've I've you know, taken tests for specialized schools, and I'm always like, yeah, you know, I gotta go take. Let me see where I'm at. Boom! Mm-hmm. My name, I got that. <laughs> but this time, I was just kind of like, "Man, my name! If my name is on this board, this is <sighs> and this is the beginning of- <laughs> So I go up there, and sure enough, I, I look on the board, and my name's right there. And I'm like, "All right, well, I'm in the show. Okay. Obviously, I like making people laugh, so I can do that." And then it said Walter Lee. And for those of you who don't know, Walter Lee is the The lead lead male character in the show. And I promptly went into Cashy's office and I said, I think you guys have made a great mistake. (laughs) I really appreciate it, but I am not going to be able to do this. I was 18 years old. Walter Lee's like 35. He has a child. He's going through all these things. I'm like, I don't even know what I want to do tomorrow. Like, how am I supposed to be? But uh, Cassie took me under her wing and said, don't worry about it. You're more talented than you could ever imagine. I'll I'll have you back. I'm in the show with you. She was playing Mama, um, and uh, and she sure did. And and, um, if it wasn't for her, I probably well. Not probably. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing wow. right now. Wow! So, Shout out to Cami. Yeah, I got I got lucky, Cassie Johnson. You yeah, know, you know.
4: Awesome. awesome. Well, while you're at Lehigh, you created a mascot.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Tell us the story. I'm dying to hear it.
2: <laughs> Wave man. Um, all right. Well, I, I I'm big on school spirit. I love sports. I love uh, home field advantage, and um, Lehigh is a very is a very white collar school. Um, very, um, most of the families there are of, of affluent backgrounds, um, which tend to be relatively reserved at sporting events.
1: It's wine and cheese crowds, as they call them. Wine and cheese,
2: <laughs> wine <laughs> That's and what cheese. Well, let Golf me clap for yes, Yeah, exactly. Good job. Good job. <laughs> so I, uh, so I, my sophomore year, once I stopped playing football, I was working in the sports marketing department. They said, "Hey, Rob, do you? You know, we need somebody else to be the mascot. Would you like?" be in our mascot uniform and i was like okay i always wanted to do that i thought those guys were fun so I'm um, we were the mountain hawks and that bird doesn't even exist but it doesn't matter <laughs> so <laughs> i'm like in this brown bird costume with like a golden beak and i'm things are hilarious i'm having a blast but i split time with this other guy um this other guy was a little bit more rambunctious than i was and one day he went down we went down to princeton and we went down to Princeton, and him and the Princeton Tiger got into an altercation.
3: Oh, no. <laughs> and wow. uh,
2: so the two mascots come to fisticuffs. Now I'm there in my, like, wearing my, uh, like, Lehigh sweats and, like, a wife beater or something, helping out the, like, cheerleaders, get everybody excited, because I'm waiting to do my turn in the second half. Okay. Well, not a mascot gets suspended, because, oh. so there is no mascot for the second half. So at that moment, I'm like, All right, well, I got to do something since I'm here. I'm getting paid, whatever. So I'm going to... I took, like, ribbons out of the cheerleader's hair and tied them around my arms, a la the Ultimate Warrior from the WWF, Uh. now the WWE, my my favorite wrestler. Uh, So... I there was a little sign and the sign said do the wave you know the cheerleader stand up and they have signs right, like, do right, the right.
3: wave make
2: noise <laughs> so you do that so well. right. right. wave. that's funny. I am on a show about he needs to professional be a double girl I'm <laughs> telling you right, listen right. it can happen season, right. <laughs> season two season <laughs> two write me in Michael Rooney I <laughs> right. will do the choreography <laughs> right um, so one thing leads to another I do I'm running along the sideline with the, for our little section with this wave sign they're doing the wave. Fast forward to the next week, we're playing against Columbia, not Columbia, Princeton, Ivy League. Apparently the mascots talk. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy that got into a fight with the Princeton Tiger was suspended for the next game. So it's just me. So I'm chilling in my bird costume. I got like 10 pound feet on, big brown beak. I can barely see. I'm like, you look through the beak. so It's terrible. A little kid who works, his parent runs sports marketing. is like, hey, you should fight the Columbia line. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It didn't go well last week. He's like, no, really, you should fight the Columbia line. I was like, I'm not going over there. He said, but he's right behind you. <laughs> oh my god. And I turn around, no no lie. Whoever played the Columbia Lion in nineteen ninety nine, get at me on Twitter because we got some problems. Yeah. So this dude doesn't have his lion's paws on. He has on football gloves and he's <gasps> bopping up and down in a boxing stance. And like I'm like, oh man, he's it's really, ready. He's ready. Yeah. He's ready. Yeah. He's ready. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not ready. I got on heavy feet <laughs> I got a like four foot of beak in front of me. So One thing leads to another. He swings at me, he misses. He swings at me, he hits me. I'm like, we can't hear each other. So I'm Mm -hmm. like gesturing with my wings like, please, (laughs) like stop, I don't want to fight. Next thing you know, he just, uh, you know, I'm from Brooklyn. You're only going to push me but so many times. So he threw his towel at my beak (laughs) and it missed. And when I went to pick it up, he bopped me on the head.
1: Uh, um,
2: and and then it was over. I tackled him and, and put him in a headlock, my head pops off, we both get thrown out. Uh-huh. I come back out and they're like the whole stands are going nuts <laughs> because now they know who's inside the mascot outfit. Next thing you know, I got tired of being the bird because people hated the mountain hawk and right. uh, the armband thing went so well. That I decided to take the Ultimate Warrior thing all the way. So I put, like, I made a little pom pom ponytail action (laughs) with the armbands around the thing, and I became Wave Man, and I would run along. 120 yards along the field with the crowd as they did the wave. And we tried to go as many times before I fell down. Um, (laughs) So for three years at Lehigh, that was really fun and really awesome. Made history. It'll never happen again. (laughs) For those who witnessed it, it was something special.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious. Okay, so we know that you not only went to your undergraduate uh, institution, but you went on to get a master's degree. in acting, Which is at Ohio University. That's right. Um, Not the most common thing. No. Very cool. Uh, tell us, do you feel like that made you more well-rounded as an actor in terms of getting that additional training?
2: Absolutely, without a doubt. If, if I had come out of uh, school at Lehigh and just gone straight to like, move to L.A. or whatever, it, it wouldn't have went well, mm-hmm. um, I don't think, you know, any, for any number of reasons. But mm-hmm. going to grad school allowed me to grow up um, right. because you're know, in grad school from 22 to 25. Yeah. That helps a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Jay Cole
1: said the same thing, by the way. Who? Um, Jay Cole. Oh, yeah? In a recent interview, yeah, he talked about, like, you know, same thing. You know, BAs in the rapping world, not the most common. What advantage did did it give you? And he said exactly what you said. It kind of gave him four years to enter the game at a different level. Yes, absolutely.
2: So So by the time I came out, I was they taught us when we first got to our my acting program Jack Young who's now at the University of Houston he had said uh, this is a professional actor training program so you're a professional actor from day one Mm. right now you have to Mm. think of yourself like that and and I did while I was in school I would do different projects I shot independent film I did I got my SAG card before I got out of grad school by doing a a commercial in Cincinnati um so, it, you know, I'm, and I'm also classically trained. I can do the Shakespeare's. I can do, you know, Ibsen and, and things from, you know, the 1800s and and, and such. So it, it's I wouldn't be able to do that as well without uh, having gone to grad school. I also do voiceovers and blah, blah, blah. And all that came from.
1: So speaking of Professor school. Young, um, he also said that if you just want to be a t- TV and film actor. Yes. Just go ahead. Go in. Go deep. But if you want to be full spectrum, as you were describing, mm. broad a uh, spectrum actor stay in this program. Yeah. Now, with that in mind, now that you're on hit television show, yeah, episodic, could you do Terrence the way you do Terrence without the training you got at Ohio University?
2: Absolutely not. Got it. No okay. way. So, no. Yeah. Okay. No. He. 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 Um. What he said was, if you after my first semester, he said, if mm-hmm. you want to work in film and television, you have everything you need to go right now. Right. If you want a career in. Acting Mm -hmm. a career in the theater I need you to give me two more years And I said okay fine that's what I want I want to be able to do everything So I stuck around and and I did that And I came out and I got my my first gigs Were in regional theater I was doing August Wilson And Mm -hmm. then my first big job was on Broadway And and, you know understudying In Cat on a Hot Tin Roof And I had a lot of my Broadway success Way before any of this ever happened Before I did Born Legacy Before you know for better or worse And all these other TV shows Mm -hmm. And now hit the floor So Mm -hmm. uh, I mean they make fun of me For a lot of things I hit the floor, even mm-hmm. like in in episode five when I unveiled the Elena's restaurant uh-huh. McKinley and Jonathan would not stop making fun of the way I <laughs> took the curtain off of the thing
1: so dramatic but
2: right? it was that that's part of it you know right. that's part of that if you played the king of something and you had to do something with a flourish that that's would, your gesture that's, yeah. You, yeah. You, it, I didn't plan it I was yeah. just like I'm the king I'm. this is my restaurant boom restaurant chick take that that's what I've hiring <laughs> like you know what <laughs> I mean so I don't I don't know how I would have done that but I right. don't think it would have been
1: the same way I hear what you're saying it, it's you like inter- you internal that oh yeah yeah that's awesome well with your
4: master's degree you've also taught acting in the past (sighs) do you ever think that you would take a break from your acting career and go back to teaching not
2: on purpose That was no, so real. No, okay. You know, no. I mean, I, I, I love teaching. I love I love working with children. I love working with any. I love teaching acting. Period. Like if we were to do an acting workshop, it would undoubtedly go longer than you plan because mm-hmm. I'm going to find other things to work on mm-hmm. and try to tweak this and tweak that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. It's something that I would like to do. Maybe once things slow down, mm-hmm. like if I end up being out here forever than you know maybe take a a, some type of residency at ucla or usc and and teach a workshop there a master class or you maybe have one class that i have to deal with Mm -hmm. but you know i'm i'm uh i'm in it right now i've I've gotten the success as a performer as since i've left grad school so uh the teaching thing has taken a back seat Having my masters allows me the ability to teach At any university in the country yeah. And now that I have a career behind me I really can teach at any university in the country mm-hmm. Since that's the terminal degree in acting mm-hmm. um, But uh, no I ain't trying to pick I ain't <laughs> trying to pick up the old Not dry That soon. dry mm-hmm. erase marker No time soon girl well, no, how, important,
4: how important is it for you To mentor other aspiring actors
2: I, I mean it's, it's incredibly important To me I, I don't think that Knowledge is, isn't worth anything unless you can give it to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't learn. There's a, a pyramid of learning, uh, and I forget exactly how the diagram goes, but I think you retain ninety-three percent of what it is that you teach. Yeah. Like it's like right. hearing it, reading it, writing it and then teaching it and if right. you teach it yeah. you retain the most amount oh, of it. Nice. Yep. So I'm I'm a big proponent of that. If if somebody asks me a question, I'll be the first one to tell you whatever I know at the same time I'm not going to say that's the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm telling you my version. This is how I did it. This is what I know not to do. Somebody else might have figured out another way, a better way, a quicker way. I don't know, but I I will impart any knowledge that I have. Yeah. Um so no it's 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 vastly important whether they're you know somebody in like junior high school or or some elementary school kid that's like I want to be an actor and I'm like well you need to learn how to talk <laughs> like we need things like things like that you know what I mean so
3: first things first yeah first things
2: first <laughs> pronounce your consonants um, but uh yeah no I I I love it uh, whether it's teaching acting or just mentoring period it's cool I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have people do that for me. So yeah, you
5: know. Now, before you really got into acting, you were doing real estate and you were doing mm-hmm. sales, right? And mm-hmm. you were squeezing in auditions and mm-hmm. lunch breaks and everything. So your hustle was, you know, on a max ten.
2: Yes, right. Hustle was on tilt. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> so, so what is your message for for actors who feel they can just kind of skate by on good looks and and their charm versus not have that hustle that, that you have?
2: Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. It's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can be successful in entertainment without being good at anything nowadays. So mm-hmm. there is that, mm-hmm. um, especially with the advent of reality television and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so if you want to do that, that's fine. You're, in, you're entitled to that. There are a lot of people whose careers are built on the way they look. And, and for for many of us, I don't think there's an actor in there who doesn't get their role based on how they look that how they look doesn't necessarily mean they're smoking hot or whatever they could be the round pudgy character or the nerdy character or the skinny girl or whatever it is so i mean you know more power to you but at the same time it's about what stories you want to tell and if someone gives you a story that they want to have told and you want to help them tell it then you better be able to do so Otherwise, people are inevitably going to stop giving you that responsibility. That's what James, uh, you know, uh, James Larosa and and all of the folks that wrote our show did. As far as I was concerned, they entrusted me with a story that they wrote and my ability to tell it to other people. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, I have the tools to do this. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Thankfully, you know, we're going to get a chance to do that for a second season. So apparently, it's going well. A lot of people like the way we tell these stories yes. and the stories themselves. But for folks that are just trying to get by on just that. You know, that cute factor, a little bit of cute and charisma. A lot of people move to Hollywood because they're cute and charismatic. Right. And then 10 years later, they're talking about how hard it is to be an actor. Yeah. Well, what did you do that gave you any idea or any thought that you could do this? No. Aside from going, oh, that looks like fun. and Or I kind of look like that person. I or I make people laugh in school. Like, there's, it's more. there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Right. So... You know, hey, mm-hmm. more power to you, but
1: we'll yeah, see. That <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. Um, we'll so with the plethora of formal training that you came to L.A. with, yes. you um, going back to finishing your um, graduate degree, one you of your first big roles, the coveted role of understudy to Terrence Howard. Yes. Cutting a Hot Tin Roof. Oh, yeah. That opportunity, I know, probably is just amazing. and It afforded you um, the space to work with the great James Earl Jones. Oh. Give us, I'm, sh- I'm sure he just dropped wisdom like, every day like but what's like one of the best nuggets that he gave you
2: you know I don't know I I can't say he gave me a nugget of wisdom that I can encapsulate in like some awesome soundbite okay. but I will say that
1: damn it no I'm just
2: kidding
1: I usually have soundbites in my pocket like James said
2: um no I you know I, I was very flattered by the fact that before we had ever because I was the understudy and before I'd ever performed the role or he had ever rehearsed anything with me he he said that he was looking forward to seeing me perform Mm. as Brick Mm. Um, I was I played a servant in the house this is the nugget he gave me without giving without telling me anything how about that okay I was a servant in the house. All of the understudies, we filmed, uh, filled out the servant cast. This is Cat on the Hot and Roof. The family is very wealthy. It's typically a white family, and they have black servants. So we filled out the house with the servants when we were understudies, as opposed to just hanging out and waiting, for you, waiting to get a call. I played a servant named Brighty, and I brought in the birthday cake for uh, Big Daddy. In the second act, it's Big Daddy's birthday. That's why they're all there in the first place. So everybody comes in the brick and Maggie's bedroom, and he brings in a big birthday cake. Second week of rehearsal, James Earl Jones is sitting there and he goes, uh, he goes, Rob. Like, yeah, okay. He goes, um, what's your character's name? I said, Bridie. And Bridie, he goes, okay, good, good. I just, you know, I think Big Big Daddy's a man of the earth. I feel like he would, you know, he knows all of the people that work in his house. So I just wanted to know your character's oh. name. I said, okay, great. From that day forward, every rehearsal, every performance, when I walked in with that birthday cake and I sat it down in front of him he would go Brady <laughs> no one would hear it
3: mm-hmm.
2: You could. we were miked no one could hear him say that but the fact that he did that mm-hmm. yeah. showed yeah. how intricately invested in mm-hmm. this performance that he was this is not a line this is not a response to someone's line this is when everything else is going around in the show this man is saluting his servant that brought out his birthday, Keiko. He's known for X amount of years because he hired him and they've been through this and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Brighty. So you couple that with the fact that this 77-year-old man was the first person off book
3: Mm -hmm.
2: out of everybody. Mm
3: -hmm. I
2: was second. He
3: was
2: (laughs) was the first person off book. You you those are the things that I picked up. That mm-hmm. that work ethic that a lot of people say, you know, theater actors have this incredible work ethic. Well, he's one of them and he does. So if I can be him mm-hmm. when I'm seventy seven, turn up. Yeah, I'll Turner. take that.
1: I'll take that. Let's turn up for James Earl, absolutely. <laughs> for real. For real. Yeah. Well, after
4: a cat on a hot tin roof, you went on to play Dave Robinson yeah. in Lombardy, also yeah. on Broadway. Your character was the first black linebacker in the NFL. Yes. How do you prepare for a role with such historical significance?
2: Well, um, the fact that Dave Robinson was the first, he was the first black middle linebacker, which is like the captain of the uh, defense, and much like... Unfortunately, well, not so much in the last five years, but previously the stereotype was that black co- quarterbacks were not as bright as their white counterparts. Certainly. So, And it was the same school of thought for the linebacker, the person who's going to be running everything. So uh, Dave Robinson was a very intelligent guy, came from Penn State. And um, it, what was more important about that was the fact that this man, Vince Lombardi, this white man in the late 50s and 60s, mm-hmm was so progressive that he didn't care what anybody thought about anything. He didn't care about the color of your skin. He didn't care about any of that. He just wanted to win. And part of that came from him being um, you know, treated poorly as a dark-skinned Italian growing up in Brooklyn and blah, blah, blah. But um, it, it, there was a lot of reverence surrounding uh, Lombardi and every aspect of that because football's got that pageantry in, in, in America and um, and the fact that this man... Basically, made, the, the Super Bowl trophy is named after Vince Lombardi. Lombardi yeah. Yeah. That's really all you need to know. Yeah. They could have yeah. named it after a lot of other people, yeah. but yeah. they named it after him. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was great to be a part of. That's one of the best experiences of my life. The Green Bay Packers organization embraced us. Uh, the Packers fans embraced us. They would fly in from Wisconsin to come oh, wow. see the show. It was the wow. longest running show on Broadway um, from the previous season. That wasn't a musical. Wow. At, at one point, uh, you know, I was a part of it for a year. Year. Dan Laurier is now on Sullivan and Son. Um, uh, Chris Sully Sullivan is still on Broadway. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what show he's in right now. He was in Chicago for a while. Bill Dawes is a comedian. Uh, Judith Light won two Tonys after being nominated for a... T- like, I was surrounded by some folks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> some folks. Yeah. So uh, I, I've been I've been fortunate in my career, and that, that experience is no exception at all. Yeah.
5: So now before Robinson... Right, you know, people, like, like you said, people really felt that, that, you know, black people or black athletes weren't smart enough, you know, to, to play these, these lead, leading roles, you right. know, especially on the, uh, field. And so you had Doug Williams who shattered that stereotype of being the, the first quarterback to win the Super Bowl.
3: Uh-huh.
5: Right? So, you know, yet there's still a lot of stereotypes, but like, how do you, how do you feel about that, you know, now, especially, say, after the past five, five years, so how do you feel that that has changed, especially in the sports industry?
2: I think it's changing. Mm. I think it's changing a little bit more rapidly than it has in the past. Uh, I think even when Donovan McNabb was a starter, he still had to deal with it. I think yeah. Dante yeah. Culpepper still had to deal with it. Um, I think, Vick still dealt with I it. I think yeah. Michael Vick had to deal with mm-hmm. it in the beginning of his career. Mm-hmm. I think that what's happening now is that the, the talent and the success is so great that it would do you no good to try to say that that person is not intelligent because they technically have to be intelligent in order to utilize their talent to gain that success. Yeah. So that's what's happening. You you, you you get RG3 that comes in, and yeah, they're mm-hmm. putting up, and Cam Newton, and they're Cam putting up monster numbers mm-hmm. in college, yeah. but they come in and they win immediately. And they make people look silly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're crushing tons of other quarterbacks, black, white, or the other. Yeah. Right. So you're. It's reaching a critical mass, so to speak, where you can say that, but you look really stupid.
1: (laughs) And do you you think, in that same vein, Rob, do you think that that's the same kind of formula that will have to be utilized to change uh, black progress off the field in terms of coaching and uh, (laughs) general managers and things of that nature? The Mike Tomlinson's, people like that that are... You know they're winning, super, you know Super Bowls. So at some point, um, or at least getting to the Super Bowl, is that the same kind of formula?
2: I think that's going. I think it's uh, yes. It has to follow the same formula. Okay. I think that is uh, that pro that process is much more retarded, as in late. Slow, yes. Than the uh, yeah. you know not not retarded, but <laughs> retarded. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah. Then the the athlete pro- pro- process, and that's um. And I think it's because it's closer to the top
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it deals more with power, mm-hmm. whereas the quarterback is a very powerful position, right. but he's still a football player.
1: Right. And now yeah. you're talking infrastructure. You're, you're talking
2: right. about people that, right. you know, the front
1: the, office and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And
5: yeah. Yeah. And
2: yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, I would like to think that that inevitably has to happen the same way it's happening on the field and on the court. Um, it remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. I think the push against that will undoubtedly be greater. Than it was for the athletes, because even though the coaches are you know nowadays every every everybody's got a bigger spotlight on them because of social media and so on right. and so forth mm-hmm. but i I still think the coaches take somewhat of a back a backseat yes. to mm-hmm. the players so that that problem can also sit in the back seat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They can keep it there mm-hmm. right. because it's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, the coach is in black. Look at that dunk! Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Like you know, yeah. wow, touchdown? No, no. It doesn't matter that there aren't the GMs are all white. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it's
1: yeah. almost distract. You know, in a way, not a negative way necessarily, but it's it serves to distract. From that issue,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Smoke and mirrors, baby.
1: I see you. Well, on a brighter note, congratulations on season two. Turn up. I hit the floor. Yeah, yeah. Season two, absolutely. So H- how did you feel um, when you got the announcement? And oh, were you girl. guys nervous going into that?
2: We, well, of course, anybody who says they were nervous is completely <laughs> full of something. All right. All right. Um, no, I, I. My best friend had happened to come out to visit for his birthday this this weekend, and um, we were running around. And I was actually in Banana Republic buying some t- ties that were on sale. Yes. <laughs> and um, and, uh, and I got a call from James, and, and, he, and he told me you know, that we got picked up for season two. And I, I uh, it got to the point where my buddy was like, you need to sit down. <laughs> like, you don't even know what you're doing. I was talking to him. I was, like, trying to send an email. To, I had just met with a publicist. So I was trying to do that. And, like, I... like my knees were weak (laughs) (laughs) so i inevitably had this and it happened a couple times that day i had to sit down but but it it was um i mean season one's great you know everybody you know a lot Mm -hmm. a lot of shows have a season one not a lot of shows get a season two Mm -hmm. you know so having a season two is is um is a really big deal like that 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 means something you know so it's like when your show on broadway goes past that first couple months Mm -hmm. and people are still coming. You're like, Mm -hmm. man, this is, I'm doing it. I'm (laughs) I'm doing it. So um, I I think uh, I was overwhelmed for quite some time. I, I, I guess I'm I might still be in that little riding high zone. Mm-hmm. Um, well,
1: it's well-deserved. You guys you know, I, should
2: be. I greatly I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, we are we're a good team, so I'm glad we get yeah. to, to play for another season. There you go.
4: Well, you have a very strong athletic background, as we've discussed. Yeah. You starred in an athletic-themed play. You now star as an athlete on a hit TV show. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know the saying, art imitates life. Would you say that this applies to you?
2: Um, I think the fact that I'm still shaped like an athlete helps. Yes. Uh, that's, that's helped. Uh, my first law and order role was a professional football player on law and order criminal intent. Um, I was accused of a crime, but I didn't commit it. I didn't commit it, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. um, it, no, I, I think that it's – I also understand the attitude of an athlete. I've never really lost that attitude. Um, because I came up in team sports or in, in football, I played football from the time I was 11 uh, until my freshman year in college, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've i never really lost sight of that. So when I look at an ensemble performance, whether it's a play or whether it's the show that we're doing, everybody has a role, but everybody does the role to the best of their ability, and that's, and that's how the team moves forward. Okay. So um, th- that's helped me understanding how athletes work. I know a couple and uh, obviously was one for some time. It, it I think that's helped, but it's really got more to do with the fact that I'm shaped like an athlete. Right. <laughs> and and can speak words that people understand.
1: <laughs> and well, uh, my Yes, and well.
2: That's that's, that's got nice. a lot, a lot to of do.
1: teeth and tongue action, Teeth going and on. tongue. Very good. So in hit the floor, you initially, <laughs> you initially auditioned for the role of Derek. Mm-hmm. And um Talk to us a bit about what attracted you to that role initially, but then you know we now know that ultimately you became very comfortable and kind of excited to play Terrence because he's atypical from what we tend to see from Uh, our professional athletes. Kind of give us your thoughts on that.
2: Well, I used to be Derek, so... Oh, shoot now. um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, look, Derek has fun. Derek (laughs) Derek has a lot of fun. It's just that that fun comes with repercussions and it doesn't really amount to anything after a while, so... You know you you know have that fun, but keep in mind that a it could go horribly wrong at some point, and b it really isn't. Creating anything aside from some problems, maybe babies you don't
1: want—potential <laughs> debt. Hashtag Dwight lost. Howard. Um, right, quick, right. Come Your on, babies now. racked up
2: so quick. For real. Get it together, son. That's, that's why you left um, Dallas. That's <laughs> right, exactly. Hey, listen, he's in Texas. No state income tax. <laughs> there you go. Need that money. For, um, no, it's it's a. I, I think Derek was Derek was a fun role, and and I hadn't read the entire pilot when I uh, auditioned for Derek, and the, the scenes were the where he bumps in her in the parking yeah, lot. It's like cold cute. cold shower for me then. Six <laughs> sexy sexy time. Um, so sad. so <laughs> I I enjoyed that. It. it would have been fun. It it was you know, I was looking forward to it. But but I was actually in Atlanta shooting single ladies when I auditioned for Derek. And oh. uh then I flew back to Los Angeles and they called me in for Terrence and I read mm-hmm. Terrence and I was just like it, in the pilot there wasn't a big difference between the two of them. There was the guy, who, the new guy and then the guy who's been there and mm-hmm. the guy who doesn't have a girl and the guy that does. and you know. So um, it, it was at first it was like alright cool I'm playing the other guy, no big deal, I'll right. take that. Yeah. But as the um, scripts started to come out and as uh, you know, we started to hear a little bit about what might be going on for the season it, it became apparent to me that you know, I was playing the anti derek the adult
1: <laughs> kind of. I was but, yeah. I was
2: playing the grown-up, and yeah. then there was you know the the perpetual boy, which is basically what you know a lot of unfortunately a lot of young men are, especially athletes in their twenties, because you know you got you get a whole bunch of money when you're really young and mm-hmm. nobody to tell you any anything else to do. You know, if you're not playing sports, you're hanging out for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I'm I'm a big big proponent uh, or big supporter of the fact that of of highlighting the fact that athletes do good things that all athletes aren't terrible people that that especially because the majority of professional athletes that are in the spotlight are black men yes so i take it personally when the stereotype is that They're going to jail and that they're making it rain and that they got baby mamas and that they, you know, so on and so on. Some of them
1: are abusive. Um,
2: And that they're abusive and all these other things. So it's the fact that and who knows where Terrence is going in season two. I don't know. But I don't think I think once you turn your back on that crazy Mm -hmm. stuff, you can't really look at it the same way. It's like, you know, um, so. I was really proud of the fact that Terrence had his girlfriend, and he, you know, he he was obviously, or at least apparently, faithful to her, and um, was focused on things that mattered: starting businesses, right. um, you know, building towards the future, uh-huh. trying to win championships, things that are important. And uh, you know, I, I, as I've said before, I said this in, in after Buzz. You you'll, you're more likely to hear about an athlete, you know, getting in a domestic violence altercation, mm-hmm. or or making it rain in a strip club, or or anything like that, uh, than you are to hear that Kevin Durant took a million dollars out of his charity and donated mm-hmm. it to the victims Relief. of the uh, yeah. tornado in Oklahoma City. Yeah. So it, it's I think that stuff needs to be highlighted more. Mm-hmm. I think if you highlight that, it helps everybody. Yeah. It helps everybody because it helps the kids that look at those athletes to then say oh, well, this is what I'm supposed to do when I get there, as right, opposed yeah. to I'm supposed to buy 16 chains, three cars, <laughs> two homes, mm-hmm. and surround myself with chicks. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, 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 we don't. So I like the fact that, at least for right now, Terrence is that guy. He's representative of, of many of the professional athletes and entertainers that I know who right. are out there doing what you're supposed to do when you're afforded that stage and... Um, And freedom, which is really what money can buy you.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we love that too. And as you said, very, very underrepresented. In in fictional media, but also, uh, you know, real-life media, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but are you still having fun with Terrence? I mean, even though, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm having all kinds of fun. Good.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, look, it's it's fun to buy your lady a restaurant. I'd buy my lady a
3: restaurant <laughs> if I could. Are you kidding
2: me? Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're so mad. Uh, bleh, bleh, bleh. Yeah, <laughs> wait, wait till tomorrow. Oh, I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, boom, restaurant, take that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hashtag winning. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. I love it. I love it. it it's a... It's, uh, you know, we're in. Uh, we got episode nine and ten coming up, I so know. things are getting a little sticky. Hopefully,
5: <laughs> more basketball playing on screen.
2: Season two, baby. Season two. Okay. Season two. <laughs> Which
4: NBA player do you model Terrence after?
2: Um, I think in the dynamic of the relationship, it, it's it's Dwayne Wade and LeBron James in their first season together. Okay. Uh, ter- Terrence and Derek, um, respectively. I think in in terms of attitude, what I gleam from Kobe Bryant is mm-hmm. what, um, what I try to infuse Terrence with, which is, uh, first of all, I'm the man. Second of all, <laughs> I'm tr- you know what I mean? Like, right. stats, schmats. I'm the man. You know it. It doesn't matter. I'm trying to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Get it together. As a matter of fact, anything that's not concerned with my championship aspirations – means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't care what's going on with the devil girls. I don't care what's going on. Look, if you get to practice, Derek, I don't care yeah. how many chicks are in the bed. That's nice. Get up and get to practice. I'll right. do whatever it takes to win the championship to the point where, okay, this isn't working out. I'm going to go get traded. You got to understand my eyes on the prize. Like I'm mm-hmm. focused. Yeah. And I feel like that's, uh, that's the Mode that Kobe's been in since you know Shaq left, or well, since things fell apart after Shaq left, and he spent yeah. those two years of shenanigans, and then it came finding <laughs> himself. Oh, <laughs> is that what we're calling that <laughs> Nick?
1: Good word. That's yeah. funny. Okay.
2: We're gonna call it shenanigans <laughs> in lieu of no. many other things. Uh, but no, I, I I feel like that's where he is now. I think that even that was you know d- uh, Dwight Howard might not have liked what Kobe had to say, and of course Kobe may have been able to phrase that a little bit better. But it's like I'm gonna teach you how to win. Cha- I got five. I teach you how to that's win championships son yeah. but you know so i i the i like 24 kobe better than eight kobe because eight eight kobe was a little <laughs> a little different so i'm so i'm yes. the 24 kobe i'm i'm the new kobe yeah. terrence like terrence you. is the new kobe
1: got it got it <laughs> um so we know that terrence is not only just a fantastic you know ball player a devoted boyfriend he's also a very savvy businessman as you yeah. pointed out yeah. if you had to if rob Riley had to open a business tomorrow what would it be
2: I would I would undoubtedly open a restaurant
1: Really? do you yeah, cook
2: I do okay I do right. plus it's the whole Caribbean thing yeah. ah. our cuisine is Ew. is um, delicious yes. and you don't find it very many places especially out here mm. uh, back home in New York and Brooklyn I can get it everywhere mm-hmm. um, so I would I would open up I, I've always wanted to have a restaurant or a place where everyone that I know could gather and have fun like I like being the facilitator of fun if I can be so if I have an establishment we can come eat listen to some good music you know maybe maybe even have a little lounge action cuz you know there's some dancing will happen
3: right so <laughs> we
2: have a little you know hook it up uh, like STK where you can have a little lounge yeah. action in the middle yeah. off to the side and then you've got your your sit down dinner aspect of Very it but, cool well
1: yeah. i i um i support that i like that notion cuz i just don't think there's enough like really cool loungy grown and sexy places in la there's there's so few of them there's too few <laughs> so where few. the young professionals can just kind of go Get eat right. have a nice cocktail yeah no one's too when you're not trying to turn up not too turned up yeah (laughs) It's a little you too know, much something. You, you,
2: you gotta you gotta meter out the turning yeah, up of things. If you yeah, turn up too much, you burn yeah, out.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It's so, true.
2: Yeah, you don't want to flame out on the that's, turn that's, up. That's, that's,
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that
5: so now funny. let's let's talk about you giving back. Because we know that you're actively involved with a nonprofit organization. It was yeah. the men of color in the industry.
2: Mokiti, yeah.
5: Right. So what what prompted you to give back in this particular way?
2: Well, um, when I first got here, I, like I said, I was looking for a little bit of a network. I wanted to find folks that were doing something positive. I mm. ran into a guy named Ren T. Brown, who runs the um, Black, the Negro Ensemble Theater Company down at the Nate Holden Center um, on uh, 4718 West Washington. And um, he was going to speak at this group, and it happened to be Mokitty. He had never really heard of it or hadn't been there yet. Mm. So I went. It's about three years old. Um, it's founded by John Covington and uh so i went and and i liked what they had to say and the f- the thing i took the most note of was that they went to mlk elementary yeah. and mm-hmm. um and, and mentored the kids and they go every friday um for an hour uh, every friday of the year and mentor these young men 25 to 30 um third fourth and fifth graders to uh just show them positive role models of, of you know, men of color that yeah. are doing things. And we're not all actors. Some of us are writers and, and musicians mm-hmm. and, and entertainment lawyers and, Good. you know, all aspects of the entertainment industry. It's yes. literally men of color in the industry. Mm-hmm. But we're going back and giving back to kids that look like us, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's something that I've done in any theater i've ever been to every city that i've made a stop and i've done that i've i've been in the theater i'll go to the education department and be like whatever it is is going on while i'm here let me know and if you think i can help then i'll go do it whether it's been that's in great. cincinnati or in connecticut or in mm-hmm. texas or in portland or wherever it is i have done that um and in baltimore and i i got my start at lehigh with um uh, jenny gilrain and mark mckenna at the um who were at the Touchstone Theater at that point? We did a building bridges program. We went to um, into the schools in the Lehigh Valley, and uh, and dealt with at-risk youth and taught them interpersonal communication through theater games. Love so that. these are the kids that are on their way out. This is their last stop before they get kicked out of school altogether. Mm. Wow. And you know, some of them are on medication, some mm. of them just have behavioral problems, and teaching them how to interact with one another. And, sure. and yeah. you know, there was a game called Agree to Disagree, which sounds like something we say all the time, like let's agree to disagree, but little kids need to know how to do that. Right. You need to know how to do that so that yep. you don't get into a fight, so that you can understand. I have my point of view, you have your point of view, you're in the middle, and we all get Get to say what we have to say, and then it's over.
1: You know that's so funny you say that because it's so simplistic when you explain it like that. But I can't even imagine the difference we would see in the way the behavior of students if something like that was implemented in curriculum. Oh,
2: well, I mean, you right. You're, I mean, just like think right. about
1: that. I mean, how many less suspensions there would be? How mm-hmm. many less school fights there would be? Wow.
2: The problem is, it doesn't happen until you it get you too get late. yeah you yeah. get those wow. crisis counselors yeah. yeah you know that happens after the fight and then you have to go sit down with somebody and they're going to talk about it. Well, yeah. if you had pre, you know the prevention is always better than the cure. Right. So if you get in there early and you can teach them, then that helps. So that's what in all of the programs that I had been in around the country, I was going in after there was a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and granted, we're in the worst school in the L.A. Unified School District. But we're getting in there before there's too much of a problem. These mm-hmm. kids are third, fourth, and fifth grade, right. so I can tell you. First of all, you can get as angry as you want with me, little third grader. You understand nothing's going down, you know. And I'm usually the enforcer there because right. I'm one of the bigger dudes and I have a very loud voice and I don't take crap from anybody, especially a little child. And um, and they, so I, I'm that person. But they also right. understand that if you do that from a place of of wanting their best interest. Little kids get that immediately. You can be as hard on them as you want. If they know that you're doing that because you care, they're all for it. They are all for it. So um, Mokiti's and their mentoring program at MLK Elementary. Principal Bell is the principal over there. You know, sometimes we'll take them on field trips, but a lot of it is just spending that hour um, a -hmm. week and them looking forward to us coming there. And, you know, some of them don't have, the best family structures many of them are grown up without fathers mm-hmm. so to have uh, an adult male show up and care about how they do in school and care about them not getting in trouble and mm-hmm. care about them being there on time and care that their grades went up from one week to the next mm-hmm. like that there's this one kid little Jason it was one day, it was the very beginning of the school year last year. He he was. He told me he wasn't good at math. And I'm like, well, how could you not be good at math? I, you're in third grade. That doesn't even make sense. Like, you have to, mm-hmm. th- th- let's figure out why you're not good at math. He goes, okay. Well, I, was like, I said, can you count? Yeah, I can count. I said, well, math is important, man. How are you going to know how to get your change from the store when you buy your chips or your ice yeah. cream or whatever? He was like, well, I said, so can you, do you buy stuff? Yeah, well, then you can count. Well, I don't know. okay. Well, how many quarters are in a dollar for? Okay, well then, how many dimes? in you know, what does it take to get to a quarter? Oh, two dimes and a nickel. Okay, so how many dimes are in a dollar? Well, there there are ten. We, you, and we go through all of this stuff. And yep. by the end of it, he can tell me it takes twenty dimes, you know, and and ten nickels to make two fifty. Right. And I need that to go to the um, ice cream store to get that thing. The next week, the kid comes back and he's like, "Mr. Rob, Mr. Rob, Mr. Rob." I'm like, "What's up, Jay? What's up?" He's like. I got a. Um, it was like I got a thirteen on my quiz, and I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking, oh,
3: 13. <laughs> <Yeah>. thirteen. Thirteen.
2: <laughs> 13. <Ooh. laughs> what was your grade last week?
3: Thirteen percent. He's like, but
2: it's up from a seven. So it's- <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> but it, it was it was it was thirteen out, out of six. thirteen. Oh wow. wow! So the, the kid, I mean, he just he literally needed. It was just a connecting of the dots. I didn't yeah. teach him anything. Right. Yeah. I, it, I didn't teach him how to, yes. how to count. He knew how to count. He knew how to count. The Ten, which meant he knew to get from ten to a, a dollar, which mm-hmm. means you, which means you can count tens into a hundred and mm-hmm. to a yeah. thousand, which is ten dollars, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, just little things like that. Like yeah. somebody's got to do that yes. for every
1: yeah, definitely
2: kid. Yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. if you can help doing that, and you don't, well then you're kind of Shame a shitty you. person.
1: I agree.
2: <laughs> Lazy and selfish.
4: Well, in the wake of the Trayvon Martin case, Ooh,
2: let's
5: go.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Many felt that uh, Trayvon was profiled and ultimately killed because he was seen as suspicious. Uh, tell us what it feels like for you living as a black man in this type of climate.
1: Yeah. Where well, just your pure blackness in and of itself is almost suspicious by definition. What is well,
2: that like? Well, I grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn, New York. So it's something I'm very accustomed to. Um, r- although where I was... In Brooklyn, it was interesting because the white people would cross the street when they saw me. Mm. Whereas down south back in the day was the other way around.
1: Oh, well, we yeah. would cross yeah. the street when we, when right. we saw, you, them you, you saw them. Right, you
2: saw a yeah. group of white people, you might need to be on your P's and Q's. Whereas mm. in my neighborhood, it was a little, it was flip flop. So we would walk around like, you know, it's that get off my block mm. mentality. Mm. Um. <laughs> Once you get into Manhattan, that changes a little bit if you're in Midtown or, you know, if you're not in Harlem or on the Lower East Side or one of the the more uh, minority-centered neighborhoods. So you got to see both sides of the coin. Um, I went to a lot of—I was in a lot of gifted programs, so a lot of times I was one of the few black students in my class. Mm -hmm. Uh, I told you that's the way it was when I went to Lehigh. It was uh, 90—I think 93 percent white when I was there. I actually wrote— a play with Cashy Johnson at Lehigh as a result of a racial incident on campus there, which brought to light in 2001 that there was still vehement racism existing among educated young adults.
1: Can you just give us just a a tiny bit? I know we don't have a ton of time.
2: Well, what happened was... uh, there weren't a lot of black fraternities on campus, as can be expected, because it's predominantly white. A right. couple of black fraternities, one in particular, had just come back, Kappa of Psi. Fraternity Shout
3: out to the noobs. Yes, noobs.
2: <laughs> um, and uh, they had a, a, a little bit of a presence on campus. There was a big event where all the fraternities and sororities got together, as you can imagine, in a big uh, arena. With all of the fraternities and this one black fraternity there and sororities, it's really easy to spot who's who. Right. There was a black guy talking to a white girl. At this point, there wasn't the internet wasn't super crazy, but we did have electronic message boards. The school mm-hmm. had one called the Daily Jolt. Yeah. Um, people took to that message board to to voice their displeasure with seeing this black student talk to this uh, this black man talk to this white woman, yeah. and. Um, it got ugly really fast, mm. uh, and it got as old school as um, people writing all niggers must die. Uh so we wrote a play uh, in response to that. A, a lot of people were up in arms. You know, and, you know, people thought about fighting and marching and blah blah blah. And what inevitably happened is, uh, as as in a suggestion from somebody who was eavesdropping on a conversation of mine, I went to Cashy. She had a one woman sh- a slot for a one woman show at the theater. We did a two handed show to, to get in, instead of that called Untold Truths, and the subtitle was Why We Always Sit Together. Mm. Mm. And as you notice, when you go to if you yes, go we to a segregate, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a self so, every. every Every culture does it. sometimes it happens, and you know the athletes sit here and blah blah blah, whatever mm-hmm. it is so um, I say all that to say that i uh, I know in my mind what happened with uh, the Trayvon Martin case. I could see how he could have even been somewhat culpable because you don't like being profiled. Mm-hmm. I would, I would have been upset as a 17-year-old if somebody was profiling me, and I might not have been the nicest person in the mm-hmm. world. I don't think in any way, shape, or form that he deserved to die. Right. I think that um, it's very easy to bang your head against the concrete and make it look like somebody else did it, mm-hmm. especially if your life is on the line. Um, I think that the prosecution lost the case because an overwhelming majority of decision makers in America still have old ideals Mm -hmm. um I think that the general population is moving in the right direction and I will call it the right direction without any equivocation uh, towards equality Mm -hmm. and peace and harmony um But there are still people that are in very powerful positions that um, make it difficult for this shift to happen as quickly and fully as we would like to. So until those people die, (laughs) which is inevitably what will probably have to happen, the Mm -hmm. old guard will have to go away. Mm -hmm. And then there will be less people that have been taught that in the new guard and then progressively less and progressively less. So
1: yeah. basically just kind of breed out the hate. We, yeah. that is, I mean, that's, I, essentially.
2: that's the only thing I think I can hope for because you can only teach but so much. Mm-hmm. They say a man's teacher arrives precisely at the moment at which he is ready to learn. Hmm. So you can talk to somebody till you're blue in the face. Right. If they're not willing to listen yeah. or ready to learn, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I'm racist, you, could, you can tell me all the facts that mean that I shouldn't be racist if I want to be racist, mm-hmm. I'm going to be racist. racist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the same thing with homophobic, right. same thing with sexist. You yeah. can get all the facts in the world that make you look ridiculous. Right. Yeah. If you're not ready to turn the page, mm-hmm. then you're mm-hmm. not. And some of those people are holding on to ideals where they feel like their whole world would crumble yeah. mm-hmm. if yeah. they were to give those up. Yeah. You know, yeah. if your whole life is based in the church and then somebody tells you that what the church said is not necessarily correct. You might be like, well, I I can't give that up yeah. because I need to hold on. Like this is the church is all I know. Shakespeare shakes right? your yeah. foundation. Exactly. Yeah. And And Who wants a shaky foundation? Yeah. So.
1: Well, that is fantastic. Um, That's a fantastic response. I think it um, says a lot. It's a lot of layers in there. And uh, I agree with you that when people just are intrinsically uh, feeling that people are devalued, which is what I think a lot of what's going on with this whole notion of blackness equating to be suspicion, it's just a devaluing um, of, of Life for a particular segment of people, particularly black men. And uh, Nick, if you want to speak to this, please do. I, I agree with you. I don't know how to decode that, so to speak. You know, how how do you Nick. deprogram that type of ridiculous, unfounded thinking? Because like you said, we can have all the conversations about how ridiculous, how unwarranted, how unfounded, how factually you have nothing to support it. But when there's a segment of people that yeah. just intrinsically I believe mean, it.
5: I mean, I, what I think it is probably, I think that, As a black man or in the black community, what we need to do first is we need to hold ourselves to the, to a higher standard. I agree completely. And because what it is too is like people see us how we see ourselves. And so since, you know, like there is black on black crime here, 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 Chicago, this and that, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So like, so. They already feel that our value isn't as high as their value, mm-hmm. and because we don't put our value as high as their value, mm-hmm. True. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, as a people to come together, like we have to be like, okay, like you know, we are not equal but better. You know what I mean? Like we're, mm-hmm.
1: and, yeah, and
5: and and not even essentially better, but we're like no, it's I'm all with you. it's all the same playing field. Like I bleed just like how you bleed. You know what yeah, I mean? And yeah, so, yeah. like at the end of the day, until people, you know, until the other cultures, I'll say, right. can can see us, you know how we should really see ourselves, right. then it, it, it's yeah. not going to change. No, no, at yeah. the
2: same time, that, that um, perception is has been systematically implemented so that it's been bred from one generation to the next right. yeah. from a long time ago, yeah. that, that the value isn't there. Yeah. So, um, the way I bust that stereotype is by opening my mouth, mm-hmm. because you can say whatever you want, I'm from Flatbush, Brooklyn, I am black. I am Caribbean. Mm-hmm. I was raised in a single parent household. I there I kicked crack vials off of a courtyard with a and shot basketballs at a milk crate that was nailed up that was tacked to a boarded up window when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I took public transportation to school. Like I, I went to public schools. I, I've got a degree from Lehigh University. I've got a master's of fine arts and acting from Ohio University. Mm-hmm. I've been classically trained. I've been on Broadway twice. I've been off Broadway. Like, you can say whatever you want, but when you look at the little me on the street, right. you have to acknowledge that I'm the, the big me came from that little you me. You can never discredit no.
1: your experience. Absolutely and, not. And, no. and, and I love that, and I think that you're right. The more all of us share our stories— Perhaps that's that's a small beginning of people just starting yeah. to get a context because I feel like as black people often we're seen out of context.
2: Well, yeah. we are, and we also as men, there's this hyper masculinity that is. I mean, I don't know. I I was born in 1980. I don't know how it was in the 70s. I know in the 80s it was, uh, you know, everything was a little weird. And then in the 90s we had, you know, mm. we have rap, rap hip hop really exploded and kind of yeah. yeah. took hold, and it was everything was gangster. But now it's like it's all about. You know, the you know, making it rain and, just and really blah, 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 and shenanigans. Yeah. It's if we were to understand that that is entertainment. My it's God. like when I was a little kid, my grandmother used to tell me that the people that were wrestling on the television, mm-hmm. though that's make-believe. Yeah. If yeah. you did that to your brother... He's going to die. Like right. you're going to hurt your brother. You guys right. can't do that.
1: That's not real. But no. see, the problem though, Rob is that so too few black children have someone to distinguish that for exactly. them. Exactly. And put that cuz yeah. I can listen as an educated, you know, I have a JD, I practice law for 8 years, all this stuff. I can listen to 2 Chains ridiculousness all or that. somebody talking about popping a Molly yeah. and know, oh, that's Ooh, illegal that's so to lit, slip yeah. a narcotic into someone's drink oh, and God. then gang rape them you against their force. You bar. don't even but, know. But, but <laughs> right. But everyone doesn't have that context. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I it's under my belief um, that the cost is too high. I agree. Th- that we have been irresponsible I agree. as a community in the way that we distribute that type of music and imagery. And for me, it's time to cut it out.
2: I, I think people, what, what has to happen is the artist has to say, mm-hmm. they have to come out and mm-hmm. say... Mm-hmm. I was kidding, <laughs> but they're not. But yeah. some of them
1: are kidding. When you got uh, what's your boy? This Instagramming boy. scissor. I know you. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: Who, Lil Wayne? Uh,
1: Wayne, and then um, the other ridiculous one. Yeah, you
5: got um, Drake, y'all. Drake, all but, all. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So I don't know. But Take anyways, we'll, we'll be here all day. But maybe we yeah. can reconvene as the Black Summit Council. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> y'all need you need that. BT. Yeah, you <laughs> need that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> for real. Yep. So.
5: Yes. <laughs> <Maybe> this <not. laughs> what, what one real, real, real quick. Uh, when you asked, when asked, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self, you told the story about being in a club and standing on sofa, you know, popping bottles next to LeBron. Yeah. Right? And so then you thought that that was important and cool. But now, not so cool. Yeah. Right? So how important was going through that type of behavior in getting you to a place of solid maturity and growth, you know, that you have arrived at?
2: I think it was... Greatly important, just because mm-hmm. if you haven't lived it, you might still you might be enticed by it, especially sure. when you get close to it as a, ce- <laughs> as a cele- celebrity. I was yeah. doing that as a regular dude who just had, <laughs> had some money and you know knew the guy at the door, so I could get in with all my people, and we'd spend our hard earned money on a bottle of alcohol that was it's
5: overly priced,
2: three hundred or four hundred percent markup from the what it's supposed to cost in the store, and, right. and uh, you know, but you you as as we said before I was listening I'm listening to the music like everybody else so I'm Mm -hmm. saying to myself that yeah this is like this is what's important like yeah like right, I gotta do this and now I made it and then you know you hustling the next week to try and make that money back because you don't waste (laughs) it you know you wasted $800 in a nightclub on two bottles of alcohol so it was it was really important for me I I wouldn't trade those times for anything because it allows me to just chill now you know what I mean like so yeah I love it
1: okay cool well, last we checked, uh, it was easy for you to stay focused on, or easier, I should say, for you to stay focused on a set with such dazzling beauties, because you had your own very special, wonderful yes, lady. Yes, um, How Tell us how that's going and how difficult it is to balance. Uh, we all know just it's hard to balance relationship with any professional life. Yes. I can't even imagine what it's like uh, <laughs> with your particular chosen profession. Tell us about how you do that.
2: Um, it is difficult. It is very difficult. Yeah. I will not get into too many specifics. Totally, fine. <laughs> totally it is But it is, it's difficult. Um, but you just got to, I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to try, you know, you got to try and hope for the best. Uh, it, it's, it's, um, I mean, I, I love my job. When I, and I do, I do work with any number, like with 14 beautiful women yeah. Um, yeah. who are scantily clad most of the time <laughs> when I see You have a them. great job. I do, I do. <laughs> I, love, I love my job. I love my job. I love, no, but, um, it's uh i'm also a professional so you know i've come from the theater world i've been a model like i've been next to people that are half naked that you know we were just changing clothes because we got to get ready to go do this thing so for some people it can be um a little bit hard to understand how you could be in a bed with somebody that's so attractive and and you know not get your rocks off or Mm -hmm. not be you know trying to do that for your own personal gratitude but If you're focused on telling the story... Right. Mm -hmm. Then you still have to tell the story. You know, the story doesn't say do what you want to do. The story says do what the character wants to do, which might not be what you want to do. So, um... It's... It's still easy to stay focused. It would be be easy to be focused even if I did not have a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, I do. So that makes it easier for me to not... uh, uh, Have a wandering eye, so to speak. (laughs) You know... Um, but no it's the beauty of our show is that everybody is uh, is really tight we've got a nice uh, it's really like a a tight team, so awesome. um, and, and Nick's been out with us before, mm-hmm. so he sees we we uh, you know we definitely it's like a family, family like a family. Really like yeah, a family, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: that's yeah. probably why you guys will have longevity that yeah. some shows don't. From your um, mouth to God's ears, <laughs> girl. All right, so now we're gonna have fun, fun time. We're gonna play a game. It's called the crossover. Oh
2: man, I thought it was called turn up.
1: It's okay. No, no, Not turn up. <laughs>
2: you
3: are so
1: All right, so you're gonna play it with my two co-hosts. Okay, so this is the game. I'm going to give you guys some basketball players, professional okay. and former or current NBA players, okay. who have also parlayed their on-the-court talent to that of on-screen talent.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, gonna... u- we use that second talent loosely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Maybe I should say on-screen appearances. Yeah, okay. there you go. So, um, so then it's going to be a race for you guys once I say the, the name. You guys have to race to tell me the at least one prominent role and, you know, film or television show that the person comes from. OK. All right. Production crew, are you ready? The Give me role some music and the, the TV show. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. OK. All right. Can I get some Jeopardy music? I'm please? a great competitor. Yeah. Yep. Focus. Excellent. First up, Ray Allen.
5: Jesus Shuttlesworth. He, yeah. He got, you know, he got game. Oh, he, 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 he yeah. yeah. got it. Well, see. you
1: kind of beat him, though. Yeah. You did Jesus say the that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so we got one for Rob. Next up, Michael Jordan.
2: Space Jam, Chicago Bulls. Ah! Hey. <laughs> Get it together.
1: Okay, All right. <gasps> <gasps> Rick, so I'm going to take several different answers for this next one because he's done a lot. Okay. Rick Fox. Hit the floor. The game. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jessica kind of edged you out, The game? I, I totally I mean, I, yeah, that counts too, but it's a race. And Jessica That's won. Nice. And I believe
2: slow. he was so also in one Oz. Oz. He Sorry.
1: He's been like in everything. It's amazing. He he's really talented. He's
2: playing jailhouse House basketball on
1: Oz. Uh, no, he was in Oz. <laughs> I remember that. Shout out to Adebici. Adibu- um, yeah. Okay. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, um,
2: oh uh, Oz, Lakers and uh, uh, was in the house uh, of... What is. Is it House of Death,
1: Game of Death, Game of Death. Yes, that's yeah, It's a martial
2: arts film. Yeah,
0: he yeah. yeah, was a gi- yeah. giant at the top yeah. Bruce Lee. Yeah. Yeah. I have that's a jacket good. from that movie. That's though.
1: good. All right, good. Uh we got two more: Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, Nick got that. There you go. Easy. You it. I have to get one. Yeah. 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 Nick's get on one. the board. All right, go. all right. Last but not least, Dennis Rodman.
5: Uh. Th- double, double trouble, double take, double dragon
0: almost no. No. It's, you it's can't dragon. say it's 20 something. different it's, things it's you already got it Bulls uh-uh. he was on, he was on the
2: Bulls so he was on double. Double. Carbon Electra <laughs> oh man Oh man. <clears> you guys all got it wrong yeah. double team <clears throat> double team
1: <clears throat> I knew it was, I, I should get half for that all right, first Money. of all
2: who else was in that movie
1: Don Covey Depp John
2: John so the winners Well, That's of course, why. No disrespect disrespect Jean-Claude, but That was a terrible. Movie. Rob, no
1: Rob spanked you guys' butt with that one. So at least I got one. You did. Let's you go. get on the board. All right. So <laughs> as, we, as we wrap up, we know that we can expect to see you in season two of Hit the Floor. Yes. What else can we expect to see? Uh, well, in?
2: nothing else is on the docket right now. Okay. Um, I'm playing. Some, I'm working on some music, and oh, I just excellent. finished a screenplay for a short film that I will hopefully be able to produce at the end of the uh, end of the summer here. But, um, you know, we got two episodes left to hit the floor. Excellent. And then, thankfully, we'll be coming back for season two. Awesome. More L.A. Devils. Terrence Wolf, Turn
1: up! Turn up. Where can people find you on social media, Terrence? Uh, oh, Rob?
2: Oh, Terrence. Yeah. <laughs> You're that good! Listen, call me You're whatever you good. want. Just call me. You're that good. You're good. You're Just so call so me. Um, all right. Rob Riley, NYC, uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, awesome. all that. Awesome. Yeah.
1: And you can find more of us. I am at Ebony underscore K. I,
4: at I am Jessica King
5: from I mean, all of the internet at the Nick Perdue <laughs> and he is
1: <laughs> and he means all, all of over it. the internet right 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 <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in guys this is us at Black Hollywood Live next
0: from producer oh. Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro Phil Svico Dario Christian, and the entire BHL staff we would like to thank you for tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network If you have questions or comments, tweet us at BHL online or email us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. For more exclusive content, visit blackhollywoodlive.com. This has been a presentation of the Black Hollywood Live Network. Hollywood Hollywood Redefined. redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.